a conversation at the table one time, uh, we were talking about someone who had issues, probably me, and we were at the table and I said, he's got real issues, real issues, man. And uh, I can't remember that's what he actually said. Um, one, of the, one of the younger siblings thought that instead of issues, they said, they, he's got issues. So it's kind of like it's one of those cute turn of phrases that young know, people do, which is kind of, we, as a family, we used to say, now, if you ever have an issue, you've got shoes, man. Got shoes, brother. So we're going to be looking at some shoes today. Um, so I'm going to start off, we're going to look at Mark. We've been going through a series and we've been looking at what it means to kind of some of the fundamental kind of things of being a Christian, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to disciple new Christians, bring new Christians in, and, and talk about some of those um, kind of big, big concepts of being a Christian. So today we're looking at Mark. Uh, just very briefly, um, so um, there's a question about fasting. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting and people. Don't worry about looking at people. And the people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunken, unshrunken onto an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and the worst tear is red. And no one puts new wine into white skin. If he does, the wine will burst the skin, and the wine is destroyed. And so the skin, and the new wine is fresh wine skins. We're not looking at fasting today. We're looking at a different shoe. And I have a bit of a penchant for kind of old things. My wife's face, it's looking at her now, and tell you, I, I've kind of collected over my time just little knickknacks, like a 1950s valve radio that I kind of restored and, and now have quite a place in the living room. Or I'm grateful for this, but my wife isn't. Someone gave me a 30 year old car the other day. Which I love, but it's um, it's causing <laughs> other issues in other areas. But anyway, I, I really like old things. Um, so much so that I do find it hard to get rid of old things. So I thought I'd show you. And we've been talking about shoes. These are my actual shoes, and this is a pair of old shoes that I actually cannot bring myself. Away. Um, at one point, they looked more like my new shoes. But as you can see, they're sort of worn down, treads kind of gone, but they're comfy, you know? And, and they're kind of useful still, but really they leak. They're not very waterproof anymore. Uh, and, and frankly, it's not the kind of look that you want to give if you're going to launch or anything like that. So we've got the new shoes now. And these shoes are actually much, much better at them. And uh, as you can see, the tread is sorted on them. Uh, they're comfy, and they are definitely waterproof. I know that for sure. 
But this idea of new and old is something that Jesus is talking about here in Mark. This, it, when he's talking to the Jewish people, it's the idea that the way you're going to respond to God, the way you're going to have a relationship with God, is through a new way now Jesus has come. The old way is going to change. And you've got to make way for this new way. It's quite a theme in the Christian life, I think. Um, you know, for us today even, there's a theme going on in our lives. There's that old life before we receive Jesus and a new life that we have now we are in Christ. And it can be very hard sometimes to let go of the old things and make way for new things. So this morning we're not looking at fasting, we're looking at the Holy Spirit. This is the way that we're going to live this new life. In John 14, 26, it says, The Holy Spirit is a kind of helper to us, and it's sent by the Father in Jesus' name. So I'm going to pray. Father, we are so blessed to be your people. We thank you, Lord, that you brought us out of our old condition of sin and our old ways of thinking and our old ways of doing. You brought us into a new life. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit now to help us. Come and help us, Holy Spirit. Fill us. Lord, where there's little parts of our old life that still drag us back, Father, I pray that you bring forgiveness and newness and love. We know it's not easy, but that's why we look to you, because you are our source. Father, you cannot. We look to you now. Use this time, Father, come amongst us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the two um, passages that um, I've been giving to this aren't really passages I would pick up myself. It's actually a really nice challenge for me. I'm going to try to click there. Okay, I'll, I'll make it click. <laughs> so we're going to look at the, the, the first passage we're going to look at is the conversion of Paul. And Paul's remarkable conversion to faith. So I'm just going to read it again. Uh, it's, it's kind of a message version, so hopefully it's going to be okay. All this time, Saul, who was grieving down the necks of the master's disciples, the God's disciples, disciples, out for the kill. He went to the chief priest and got arrest warrants to take the, uh, to take the meeting places, take the meeting places in Damascus. So if he found anyone there belonging to the way or people following Jesus, whether men or women, he could arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem and set off. And when he got to the outskirts of Damascus, he, he was suddenly dazed by a blinding flash of light. As he fell to the ground, he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me, he said. Who are you, master? He said. I'm Jesus, the one you are hunting down. I want you to get up and enter the city, 
In the city, you will be told what to do next. But his companions stood there, dumbstruck. They could hear the sounds, but they couldn't see anyone. While Saul, picking himself up off the ground, found himself stone blind. They had to take him by the hands and lead him into Damascus. He continued blind for three days. He ate nothing and drank nothing. There was a disciple in Damascus by the name of Ananias. The master spoke to him in a, in a vision. Ananias. Master, he asked, he answered, get up and go over to, to Straight Avenue. Ask the house of Judas. Ask the house ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus. His name is Saul. He's there praying, and he's just had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias. That's the um, he just had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias enter the house and lay hands on him so he could see him. Ananias protested, Master, you can't be serious. Everyone's talking about this man and the terrible things he's doing. His reign of terror against your people in Jerusalem. And now he's showing up here with papers from the chief priests to give him license <laughs> to do the same. But the master said, don't argue, go. I've picked him as my personal representative to non-Jews and Jews. And, Jews. and now I'm about to show him what he's in for. The hard <laughs> suffering that goes with this job. In verse... 17. Now, this is the verse we're going to kind of focus on a little bit more. So, Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that's just an amazing kind of statement from Ananias. It's prayer. I mean, personally for me, I would have been happy if I went to Saul and said, Saul, Russell, the Lord Jesus has called me to seek you so that you may regain your sight. Oh! And he regains his sight and all's well and I go home. But actually, he's kind of prompted to add this, this little bit on the end, and be filled by the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it was the Holy Spirit working in Ananias that kind of prompted him to, to add this. But nonetheless, it was, I think, a really significant part of his plan, his statement before. And perhaps Ananias kind of knew that the radical chain, chain of events that brought him and Saul together in such a way meant that Paul, us or Saul, was, was ready to receive the Holy Spirit. So he thought, I'm just going to pray for it. I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to say, be filled by the Holy Spirit and strike while the iron's hot. Or perhaps he knew that if he didn't go for it, 
and pray for him, and, and, and pray for him to be filled by the Holy Spirit, that somehow these chain of events, despite how remarkable they are, would somehow lose their potency. And therefore, it is essential that Saul be filled by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> I know you definitely know people who have been blinded by the light. You've definitely met people who have met Jesus. Perhaps somewhere on their kind of personal journey, you've definitely come in contact with other people who have met Jesus. But somehow the power of that initial experience has kind of faded. Or it may seem to us that perhaps it seemingly culminated to no with Jesus. To us. Now somewhere, there is a building with a red flashing light going off and, and, and a panel saying, Danger, Will Robinson, because this is really, really a dangerous area to tread. Okay? It's not for, for us to really decide who's safe or not safe. That is the work of Jesus, I can say that. Stuff. But there's lots of co other complicated issues around this sort of thing. Does that mean that you could be immune to the grace of God somehow? That if the grace of God enters your life, you can, you can actually walk away and, and not accept Jesus? Or in some way it kind of diminishes? Well, I've spent some time thinking about this. <laughs> it's really, really quite tricky. But for me personally, there's definitely a sense of the Holy Spirit is, is what kind of initially, the way you're going to meet Jesus is through the Holy Spirit. Yes? Okay, great, we're happy with that. So we have that initial meeting, we've met Jesus, it's great. But then there needs to be a kind of a, another kind of meeting of the Holy Spirit, a filling of the Holy Spirit that needs to happen if your life is going to. Um, is going to uh, fulfill the will of God. And that's what I'm kind of thinking about here. So you can't be necessarily, I, I mean, personally, you can't be, if, if God's met you, there's something's going to happen because he's God. Yes? But we need to be sure that we're having that personal relationship alongside if we're going to see the full effect of that uh, initial meeting with Jesus. So am I saying without the prayer of Ananias, the soul to be filled by the Spirit, that Saul would have joined the church and then a couple of years later would have you know fallen away somehow and, uh, you know. But we'll never know. Because Saul had that lived Intervention of the Holy Spirit. Because Ananias prayed for him and the Father responded. And like I said, we can't actually receive Jesus unless the Holy Spirit is moving on us anyway. And yeah, I'm going to make a point. However, it is really clear that after that initial work, that the Holy Spirit should, of the Holy Spirit, that we should be continually filled. So you're not going to say, yay, I made it across the finish line, woohoo, but rather, 
thank God that we're not required to make a life that's shaped and characterized by the living God by virtue of our memory or experience. I suppose that's what I'm trying to say. But actually, it's by the filling of the Holy Spirit. That part that just says to us, Jesus is alive. Going back to the blinded by the light thing, and if, if you had a, 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 a torch, we've all experienced this, if you had a torch flash in our eyes, wouldn't we? Or if we looked into a light, there's kind of that overwhelming <laughs> sensation of that torch, of that light. And in either the experience kind of fades away, or you become accustomed to it. So to get that same kind of sensation, we need to be continually having the Holy Spirit come upon us just as if we need a torch flashing across us over and over. And I, I, in a way, I thank God that this is my kind of experience. When I, was, when I got saved over 10 years ago in an after course here, I, um, I came to the and I went on the after course and um, and and then it turns out like five minutes in, just absolutely wonderful people. And um, and then you just kind of sit around and then actually meet Jesus for that first time. And it's an incredible awakening. There's nothing quite like it. But I remember it on the Holy Spirit evening, and Ken and I didn't pray for me. And I'll tell you what, I don't remember it being like dramatic, I don't remember it being, oh, you know, just lovely and and something happened to me. Something happened to me. I mean, I literally remember leaving there so happy. So joyful and 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 I am so grateful to God that, that was my experience because that, that's kind of what I'm seeing here is that we get saved and then we have an impartation of the Spirit which comes in our daily lives. Because I can come back to that and and every day I say, actually, I need more of that. I'm going to try for the next slide. Hey! So the next, um, <coughs> the next verse we're looking at, we're going to skip forwards a little bit, later to Ephesians, and a letter where we hear some more from Either directly or indirectly, I'll let you look into that yourself. And this phrase, be filled with the Spirit, is back again, referring to the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians 5, verse 17. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul, why and why and why did you have to be wine? Why did you have to bring the wine into it? Well, a fair idea what, what Paul is kind of saying here. And it's as simple as this. Don't get drunk. Boom. These are copies, everyone. Thank God that the word of God is like that for us. That it's not an instruction. 
it's not a law. We're not living by law. It's not like we're looking at this and we're saying, oh, don't get drunk. Well, that's okay. That's the standard that we have to live by then. You're not saved by law. You're not saved by anything other than Jesus and his work in your life. I'm trying to say this is a living experience. Okay? Equally, it doesn't mean that I'm kind of handing out licenses for you to behave in what manner you feel you want to. Yeah? There's a clear instruction here. There's more fatherly advice here. I kind of thought about this narrative with me and my foster son. And, and we go a little bit like this. Me as a father. My foster son. Why? Me. That is debauchery, son. My foster son. We're so unfair. I can't do anything. What can I do then? No, I don't like it. And as a father, you should be filled by the spirit. That's the father's part here. We're not trying to live by a law. By the grace of God and the Holy Spirit. And yeah, there is some practical application here for us. We know that the effects of too much alcohol can lead us to making some terrible choices. We make poor decisions from time to time, and alcohol doesn't help with that. That's why it's here. You know, whether you've experienced that firsthand or not. We know this is the case. Right? You only have to walk around Weymouth for the final Saturday night to see that undoubtedly you will see some kind of debauched behaviour built on by drunkenness. And that's why we need people like the street pastors. We've got street pastors here, we've got street pastors here. Street pastors go out on Friday and Saturday night. They hand out water, flip um, uh, flops, the, the girls who may have lost their shoes, and um, just care for people. Salt and light in those situations. The Holy Spirit in those situations for people when they need it the most. Because we know that people make terrible decisions from time to time. But that's no reason for us to judge them. Because we ourselves are prone to that kind of thing, are we not? But rather, we want to care for each other. We want to show God's love to people and to each other. And I also want to take a minute to point out the serious effects of addiction that can rob you. I think we, we, we touched on it during worship, didn't we? It can rob people from living a full and blessed life. And the Holy Spirit can restore and heal that which has been taken away from some people. So we're going to pray in groups fairly soon. I'm hoping that everyone wants to get involved with that. If they don't, that's absolutely fine. People will just have a little brick in the back and share some coffee or we we'll can get to know each other if you don't want to get involved. But we're going to pray in groups and we're going to pray for a simple prayer for each other, just for the Holy Spirit to them. But if you feel yeah, I struggle with addiction, or you know someone struggling with addiction, we want to pray for them or you. <coughs> and we want to pray a, 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 a particular part of the 
Holy Spirit upon you. Blessing upon you. But it's worth saying that this is much broader than just drinking wine. I had a little chat with my friend yesterday on, on Facebook to, um, on Messenger, who reminded me that yeah, we do have this verse here about wine, but actually there's, there's a whole deep, you know, it's dealing with so many other issues of what it's like to live a life that is that God, God designed for us in the light of what Jesus has done. So I want to sum it up with this statement. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In Galatians 5, a really well-known passage about the Spirit. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no need. By the grace of God, Lord, put that increase amongst us. Left to our own devices, we know we're inclined more to follow the flesh than our, our own fleshly desires than our own God. Think that is, a, that is a truth. You can see that in the Word. It's only with the lived involvement of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, that the initial work of meeting Jesus and having your salvation from sin that can have a lasting effect. That our Father in heaven intended for you, intended for you, is the foundation of the bride. We can praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Are you blessed for what's been said? And bless us now, Father, as we come and pray with each other. Well, I pray that our heart's desire.